0: Welcome, welcome everyone to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. We want to shout out any new listeners who are joining us for the very first time. We're happy to have you on board. For those of you who have been here from the start, you already know the drill. We live and die by this team just like the rest of you, and we make no apologies for that. I'm your host, Jason Kelly, coming to you from Canton, Massachusetts. If you want to check us out on Twitter, you can find the podcast account, at bastards underscore boston joining us tonight hopping over from the weekend crew from the city of
1: angels charlie smith charlie good to see you again yeah man it's been a while jokingly saying i felt like 2021 all over again the uh you know champions crew from a couple of years ago it was a good time so thank you for having me yeah yeah absolutely yeah dedicated listeners of
0: the podcast will know that uh charlie and i were paired up for quite a while there so yeah it is just like old times And also, just like old times, joining us as well from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Windham, Maine, is Terry Cushman. Terry, how you doing?
2: Not too bad. A little bit shell-shocked from the series finale. I was very careful to not call it an automatic win for the Red Sox, which has been a jinx all season. Um, But Patrick Corbin, you know, continues to be one of the worst contracts in baseball, and... Red Sox offense could not do much with him. Uh, The standings are uh, as follows. We are still in fourth place. Yankees just sinking like to the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Um, But the Red Sox are three and a half games back. They do lose a half game uh, from the start of the series to Toronto. Mariners, if you're scoreboard watching, you got to watch out for the Mariners because they're uh, only a half a game behind the Blue Jays. So... We got two teams in front of us, and uh, not a great series uh, in Washington. And I'm gonna say this right now because we don't we don't really get into the other team too much. I think the this year's Nationals are last year's Orioles, and they could be the team to make the big step next year. Whether or not they can win the division, I mean Atlanta is gonna be good for the rest of our life, but. I I can see the Nationals winning 90 or more next season if they decide to be aggressive.
1: Yeah. I mean, to your point, you think about the, the haul that the Nationals got when they sent Juan Soto to San Diego, which included prize uh, prospect um, and, you know, relatively newcomer Mackenzie Gore. And then also uh, CJ Abrams, who kind of never really found his footing. And all of a sudden this year, now he's absolutely caught fire. And while he's not, A superstar yet in washington i absolutely agree with that sentiment that washington really could be next year's you know baltimore orioles just with the way that they're bringing people up if they can add a couple of pieces i definitely think that could be pretty valid maybe not as good as baltimore is right now but pretty darn close it must be nice to actually
2: win trades you know (laughs)
0: I mean, it, so far, that Juan Soto trade, you know, you don't want to give up Juan Soto, but they're looking like they've done really well on that. Mackenzie Gore did struggle at first, but he looks like he's finally starting to round into form, finally starting to get to that, you know, that frontline starter that everyone thought he would be. And C.J. Abrams looks like a really exciting young player for them. Um, and he was sort of the second prize of that trade. So, um, hey, you know, when you when you blow up your team like that, when you trade away guys like, you know, uh, Scherzer Soto whatever and you get these prospects back you just hope that a few of them can hit and so far the Nationals it looks like you know maybe not right away making huge impact but yeah I wouldn't be surprised if that game if that team wins you know 80 plus games next year and you know kind of contends a little bit they have money to spend too and they're a decent sized market so why not why not go out in free agency and do something.
2: And they also got their catcher who destroyed us uh most of the series, uh, Kiebert or Kybert Ruiz, I don't know how he pronounces his first name, but um he I think every game was a multiple hit game for him, but uh he came over to Washington in the Scherzer deal uh to the Dodgers and Josiah Gray was in that deal. We tuned up on him and he's had his struggles, so who who knows you know what his future will be. I'll say this though Mackenzie gore looks like a stud and he came out of the game you know the trainers came out it you know looked somewhat serious turns out it was only a blister so um you know a relatively short-term thing but he just was in such control all game I I'm a big presence guy on the mound and a, and a big body language guy and you you could just see the confidence in I I think he's an ace for years to come and and a Cy Young contender at that. So, yeah, the Nationals have done a good job and have turned it around a lot quicker. You look at the Orioles rebuild, that
1: took a little bit longer. So, you know, Nationals... Over a decade, Orioles were, I mean in the, I think it was like early nineties, late eighties, I might be off by a couple of years there. They had the number one farm system where we like a top two, top three farm. And then it just, it never really went anywhere. Like the nineties, they had, you know, nineties were dominated by Cal Ripken and, you know, Mike Messina and then Mike Messina left and Cal Ripken retired. And then Baltimore just became mediocre. They were like at best a 500 team, maybe a little bit better, a little bit worse, but never a real contender. And they didn't really have any great luck with some of their deals. But I mean, you want to talk about the exact opposite of of bad luck is Washington right here. You guys are just talking about two of the big trades. A lot of their marquee prospects have all lit up. So um, Someone's got something going on. Uh, There's this chiming thing that. Yeah, that's me in the background. I'll turn that off. My bad. <laughs> okay. um, sorry. It is again. <laughs> yeah. It just will not stop. Notifications. I'm just going to shut them all off. Hold on one second. Anyways. We're um, live, folks. We are very live. Um, yeah, no. I mean, I don't remember a team doing as well as Washington had in prospects because everybody knew that Mackenzie Gore was like San Diego's up-and-coming pitcher, Um C.J. Abrams, people were hoping that he was going to be really good. Kybert Ruiz, I think people also felt the same way, that they they were hoping that he was going to be really, really good as well. Um, But you never really know. I mean, people thought Andrew Benintendi, you know, from a a recent show, they thought he was going to be really, really good. Someone skipped the minors and just went right to the top, and really now doesn't do too much anymore. He's just not the the player that a lot of people thought he was going to do past, you know, one or two years of greatness. and. Mackenzie Gore, as far as I'm concerned, uh, this is like one of the potentially not only faces of the franchise, but faces of Major League Baseball, if he can continue to build on what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, just to finish off the thought, I mean,
0: the only real problem they've got is they've got one more year of Patrick Corbin's money, and they're stuck with that albatross Steven Strasburg contract, which is just looking worse and worse by the day. But once they get out from under those, I think they're going to be in really good shape going forward. But that's for the future. For right now, they still suck. And apparently, so do your Boston Red Sox because they just lost two out of three to them. So uh, with that, we're going to get into our midweek bottom five, which I did not expect we were going to be doing. But here we are. Red Sox lose two out of three. So we're going to give you our bottom five players for the series. So Terry, lead us off. Who's coming in at number five?
2: That would be Chris Sale. And for anybody, you know, shouting a WTF at that, um, he didn't really cost us the game, but there's a lot to be concerned with, I feel like, with him. And his next start will be kind of interesting. Uh, He he labored through four and one-third innings. He was scheduled for 75 pitches. And if you go by his last start, I mean, they... They said 40 pitches in about four innings, and he was so efficient that he was able to stretch it to a fifth inning. This time, the exact opposite. He was not efficient at all. Only gave up two hits, but he, he uh, walked three. Only struck out two. Command was a big problem uh, throughout the start, and most concerning of all to me, the his fastball topped out at 94 and he was touching ninety seven, ninety eight in his uh, previous start. So uh, hopefully, there's no lingering uh, problems with his shoulder or or anything else for that matter. If his velocity was up, if he if he was still touching ninety seven, ninety eight, I'm I'm about fifty percent less concerned. I'm like, well, he just didn't have it, but there there could be a problem. And I think he's kind of in uncharted waters. I mean, I've never heard of anybody fracturing their shoulder blade. Or was it his collarbone? Something up in that region, you know, throwing a pitch. And he did it to his rib last year. And I didn't even believe it was his rib. I thought, okay, he, he crashed something and and they're they're saying he popped it while he threw a pitch. Like it was the the fact that he hurt his ribs. Uh, two spring trainings ago, uh, it just was not believable. But after the shoulder thing, I'm like, okay, this dude is just prone to some really weird injuries, and I, maybe I don't know. Maybe there's still maybe there's still issues there. But it was like night and day between the the last two appearances, and we're clinging to this wild card race. And we got a lot of problems outside of pitching and we'll get to that later, but you have to have a healthy Chris sale.
1: Charlie. Yeah. You know, you have to go back all the way to may. Um, when he was able, when he was able to give you five full and granted there's injuries there as well. Um, Terry really hit up on one thing. Um, the consistency piece isn't there or was not there um, in his most recent start and the the speed of the pitches, you know, mid nineties, I'm not too scared about it. I really want him to, to stay healthy. So if it means you throwing 93, 92, 94, as opposed to 97, 98, but you can actually stay healthy and play then prioritize health over flame throwing because there were some photos of Chris Sale with just the way his shoulder was. I mean, I can't even do that if I'm like, and I'm pretty flexible. I can't do that on a, on a great day, which is his bad day. I mean, he's very, he's very bendy. It's like Gumby on the mound. Um, But it is a bit of a concern if you, if you don't have the speed and you don't have the location, three walks, three strikeouts, um, pretty irregular for him because he usually doesn't walk more than one, maybe two in a game. And I had to look back myself. I don't remember the last time he he allowed three walks in a game and uh, you have to go back to, to may and he's only done it. um, I believe once this year. So um, Terry does have a point. It is, it is kind of a duddy performance. Um, His last appearance only had one blip on the whole radar. And I really thought, okay, great. Let's see if we can build on this. Unfortunately, we kind of went the wrong direction. The only good news, if we can find it, is that Chris Sale is in back on the I.L.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, I do agree that health is paramount right now for where the Red Sox are and for the limited amount of time they have left to try and climb back into this wildcard race. Um, Chris Sale was not terrible in this start. The velocity was a little bit down. Um, I think he battled more than he should have against that lineup. I mean, you know, he he was in a spot where he walked the number eight hitter. Jeter Downs comes up, showing bunt but not really intending to bunt. And Sale's trying to paint around him. He's trying to paint the corners, paint the top of the zone. Now, he did get screwed by the umpire on, I think, both of those calls. The first two pitches were – those were strikes. I agree with Merlone. I, I agree with Sale kind of barking at him. But you're trying to paint to Jeter Downs? Jeter Downs blows. We know he blows. We saw him here. He can't hit. Just go after him. Like, it's it was just a weird sort of, you're nibbling against the number nine hitter of the Washington Nationals. He shouldn't have to be doing that. Um, So it was just kind of a weird start where he just, I think, was pressing a little too much. And the problem now is, with the Red Sox, where they are, they need Sale to be perfect. They need Sale to be, you know, the Cy Young type of Chris Sale, because the offense is Sputtering. And they're, you know, up until the ninth inning in, you know, this last game, they really weren't doing much. Um, you need Chris Sale to be shut down, you know, no runs, 11, 12 Ks type of Chris Sale. He's not going to be that. Not this year. Maybe not ever again. He's just had too many injuries, too much time off. So unfortunately, was Sale horrible? Was he the reason they lost the whole series? No, but he wasn't what they needed him to be, which is vintage badass dynamite Chris sale. And that's a problem that that's an indictment on where the team is right now, that that's the kind of pitching performance they need because your offense isn't doing much and your bullpen's been shaky at times, you know, at times it's, it's, you know, lights out, but as we'll talk about later, it's also been shaky. So um, just not, not the best, not, not what they needed. And he's not the only one to blame for sure, but you know, it, it needs to be better from Chris Sale. And like I said, the offense, the way they're going, they they need perfection out of him. So speaking of that offense, Charlie, who do we got coming in? Number four.
1: Number four is Mr. $300 million man, Rafi Devers. Uh, Devers had a an abysmal series, just one for 10. His only hit was uh, an absolute missile happening today which is great but i mean one for ten is not going to cut it when your team is as jason just talked about struggling offensively and you know we're playing catch up i mean third game of the series we're down nine to one and we're just praying to try to make it a game and we made it nine seven and then ended up blowing it top of the ninth inning you have runners in scoring position no outs and you you can't get anything going like this is just you you need your your leader's on this team to do major work. And he's had a very quiet month of, of June of August, excuse me. Um, Before today, Rafi Devers had one home run and three RBIs in the month of August. And all of that happened in the same game. He's been a zero, which is insane to say. I love Rafi Devers. I will always be in his corner, but you have to call it out when it's not working. And this it's something's not working this month. You, you have to, really turned back to all of July. And that's when he just went off and you're not seeing it. You're, you're seeing possibly too much pressing and these weird, like lully periods where it's really, really good. The highs are really high. And then the lows are really low when everything is going wrong all at once. And we're watching it and it's really tough. It's really, really hard when you guys, you know, not well, when the when the guys end up scoring 7 and that's not enough it's it's just it's amazing and you get to say yeah you were the reason why they scored two runs in the third game but you were exactly one of the reasons why we didn't score any runs in the first two which sucks and um it's 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 not a fun feeling you know you can have a great home run and RBI total but if you hit 230 or 240, that's that's that holds no weight. That's those are meaningless meaningless at bats that are being given, and it sucks. You can't afford to have meaningless at bats from a guy like this, especially when the pieces around him are either injured, dealing with dealing with nagging injuries, or also struggling themselves. Someone has to lead, and this is the guy who you're expecting to be that person for 300 plus million dollars. Terry.
2: I don't really have a ton to add. I mean, he was one for ten on the series. That wasn't good. Um, your path to the playoffs is one where Devers is just going off and mashing and being the most dangerous hitter in your lineup. That's that's your path to the postseason, and we didn't we didn't get that uh, this series from him. And he's not getting much help around him. I mean, Justin Turner has a foot problem, and he didn't look very good the other night. By the way, he slid into second, and I didn't like how he he got up and started walking back to the dugout. And you know, and and then he wasn't in the lineup today. So you know, we're asking a lot of Devers because we don't have much going on around him right now. Um, The leadoff spot has kind of dried up. You're not getting much out of Duran, Verdugo, and even Ref Snyder is, you know, not the same guy he was in the first half. So um, Yoshida as well. I mean, he's still hitting over 300 last I checked, but still not not the same, you know, guy that was a machine in the first half. It's a much different uh, offense at this point. So, and you know, with Devers, it is what it is. The thing that bothered me the most was, you know there there was a couple of balls that he just didn't come up with and to get the out and he's not having a very good defensive season at third base, and you got Mr. Casas just killing it over at first and and he's cleaned up his defensive. I don't remember the last defensive era. Uh, by casas if he had one recently it it was only one but um scooping him doing everything he needs to do so i don't know what you do i don't know if devers becomes the dh at various points i I don't know he's got his money so he shouldn't really care but if he's going to be a third baseman i I definitely want to see the defense cleaned up
0: yeah the defensive regression is scary Because that was always um, a worry that you had about Devers, even early on, was, is he going to be good enough defensively to be an everyday third baseman? The bat was coming along, you know, in those early years, you knew he had power, you knew that he could even hit for a high average if he really honed in. Um, But the defense was sloppy when he first came up. And then last year, it felt like he really turned a corner. It felt like he really focused on his defense and became, you know, not elite, not gold glove caliber, but solid which is all they need him to be. You don't need Gold Glover's every position. Just be solid at your position. And he's been below average over there. So that's hurt the team. And the inconsistency with the bat. I mean, July, he was red hot. And going into August, he just went straight up cold. And let's face it, like the, the imbalance of the lineup, the, the flawed lineup really comes through. When, when Devers is struggling, you really see it. You know, especially now, Justin Turner is playing on one leg. Uh, Verdugo and Duran have cooled off significantly. Duvall is not getting back to his early form. Trevor Story just got back, had one good series, and then, you know, fell flat again. Um, you know, Casas is doing what he can. He's he's your best hitter right now. But still, that's that's one guy. Yoshida's hitting 300, but it's the quietest 300 season I've ever seen. Cause it feels like that guy just gets three days off and then gets in the lineup and hits two singles and with nobody on base. And then that's it. And he just keeps that average of 300. So, and I like Yoshida, I've been a big Yoshida supporter all year, but he's having a very quiet 300 hitting season. He's, you know, I can't remember the last time he's had an impact hit. So
1: yeah, all that. He what? No, he's had a couple extra base hits to your point, Jason. It's, it's, it's almost invisible, and that's weird. It's funny that you say that. I'm like, 300, he's getting 300 on the money. Has there been another guy that's been this quiet? Like, no. Nope. And nope.
0: that's the thing. Yeah, when, when the lineup is imbalanced and Devers isn't getting help around him, his issues really glare. And let's face it, offensively and defensively, he's kind of having this season of, like, a Mark Trumbo where he's going to hit... 250, 260, yeah, he's going to run into one every now and then, just like he did in, you know, the series finale here. And he hit it 110 off the bat, smoked it. Great. But the rest of the series, you did nothing. And defensively, you cost your team in the series as well. So that's just not good enough. And, you know, I know it's hard to pick on Devers because there's a lot of issues with this team. But sorry, when you get the big paycheck and you're now the face of the team, whether you want to be it or not, you're expected to deliver and your team right now is in a state where they're teetering. If they have, you know, one or two really bad series here in the next week season's over. That's it. Like it's no longer, we're no uh, longer at the point where you can say, Oh no, there's still time. You know, no one's hitting the panic button yet. Nope. No, the, the lid on the panic button is open. We can press it pretty soon if they lose another series or two here. So hopefully Devers wakes up on the planes in New York because it's it's just not good enough right now.
2: Yep. Just on Yoshida, we we gotta keep saying nice things though if we want Yoshinobu Yamamoto, uh, you know, on the Red Sox <laughs> next year.
0: Oh, that's true. Yeah. No. And, and again, <laughs> like, kidding. yep. He hey, did, Yoshida's.
2: Yeah, the, Cora said he was gonna need uh, maybe three days off. So I'm like, oh, great, he's getting a vacation. You know, he's in August. He needs a vacation, apparently. But out of de- desperation, he did have to put him in last night. Um, You know, the Wednesday night game, the middle of the three. Looking for him here. Oh, he, and he was 0 for 2. So didn't work out too well. But 2 for 4 tonight with a couple of uncharacteristic strikeouts in the finale. Yep. But, hey, you know,
0: that average is still 300. So um, and I still think he's a worthwhile investment. Just it's been too quiet lately. We need we need impact hits from him. Um, Speaking of guys who need more from coming in at number three. Terry, who do we got?
2: That will be out of the bullpen. And um, probably the biggest reason we lost uh, game three. um, That would be Josh Winkowski. I'm not a Winkowski guy, and admittedly, he has pitched okay for most of the season. Um, He's also one of the highest utilized relievers in Major League Baseball. uh, Going into yesterday or the day before, he was tied for first in the most innings, which is like 60-something at this point. I just... I'm just not a fan. I when you look at his ERA, which I think is in the upper twos now, it, it feels like it should be much higher. And it just comes down to whether or not he can locate that slider. If he can't locate it, he's prone to walks, and they're just going to start sitting on his fastball, and then he gets crushed. And that's exactly what happened. He came in today. In relief of Chris Sale, and I think there were two runners on, so those were inherited runners. But the dude just got slapped around. They were ripping balls up the gaps. Everything was extra bases. Uh, his final line for the day was um, just two thirds of an inning pitched, four hits, uh, three earned. So he didn't walk anybody, but he wasn't uh, he wasn't missing many bats either. And he's a guy going forward. I mean, we're kind of in uncharted territory with him. Lots of innings here. And we're going to be facing some good teams with some good analytics. And I just, I'd be nervous if he ends up being, you know, the seventh inning guy going forward. Charlie.
1: Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because we talked about this pre pre show before we went uh, you know live, and um, it's a very disappointing, uncharacteristic performance for Winkowski. Um, to be completely honest, I don't want to say yes, let's panic right now. But Jason already kind of talked about the fact that we keep losing series, or we lose another series. I honestly think the panic button should have been pressed a while ago. I really, really do. Players aren't coming back when we thought they were coming back. Some players aren't coming back at all. I now have to eat crow on the fact that at Alberto Monesi, who looked like things were finally starting to turn around, is now done for the third time this year. He can't seem to get it right, which is really, really frustrating, but I don't want to harp too much on Winkowski because you have to look back to, you know, beginning of July into June for his last real clunker. So I think it's just a real unfortunate, this was a bad appearance and everyone else did bad too. And that's, that's all I want to say about him because you know, he's been lights out this month. He's been good. And admittedly, we've seen more of Josh Winkowski
0: this season than I think any of us expected to, um, You know, with Schreiber getting hurt early on, he was thrust into that seventh inning role because, look, they just needed arms. They needed someone to come out of that pen and prove they could do it. And Winkowski early on was doing that. Um, Then Chris Martin got hurt for a while. All of a sudden, Winkowski became your eighth inning guy, which is a lot of pressure put on him from a guy who was trying to crack it as a starter not all that long ago. Now, all of a sudden, he's being asked to be a high-leverage reliever. Um, You know, that that game, you know, coming in after Sale, I just, again Terry, you know, I kind of agree with you. Like, the numbers look good. They do. The, the numbers look good and you go through his appearances. He has a lot of clean sheets on there. Great. But he comes in today, or he comes into the series finale, faces Joey Manessis, Nationals' best hitter. First pitch just grooves one right down the middle. And it gets slapped right into the gap. Both runs score. Boom. You know, and and there goes the tie and now the Nationals are, are up ahead, and they just kept firing on him. And it was like – it was just one of those appearances where I go, how does this guy have an ERA under three? I, I don't get it. I, I'm not I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing this I'm not seeing anything electric out of him. I'm not seeing anything that, you know, leads me to believe that he's he, – he strikes fear into any hitters. I think it's just they kind of know his repertoire at this point. Um, and, you know, they, they just wait to sit on something because – he does tend to miss his locations a lot. You know, for a guy who again is pitching seventh, eighth innings out here. Um, I don't know, just that the location's not always there. So I, you know, he's been good all year. So I agree, Charlie, it's hard to really rag on him too much. And you will need him going forward because he's a young arm that you want to develop. And that's very important for this team. Because if there's anything the Red Sox need, it's young arms to emerge, whether it be as a starter or reliever, but it looks like he really has settled into that reliever role. Um, bad outing from him for sure. Another guy that if they want to desperately crawl back into this, he's going to have to be absolutely lights out. It's the same thing with him. That it is with Chris sale. You've got to be perfect going forward because there's just absolutely no room for error. And he wasn't perfect this week and it cost them. That's, that's where the team is. So, Um, Not good enough, and hopefully the next couple of outings are better because he's too important for him to start to regress at this time of the year. Uh, With that, number two on the list. Charlie,
1: what do we got? You know, we kind of talked about this already. Uh, Trevor Story was our winner for the number two hole for the bottom five of just sadness. Uh, Trevor Story, 0 for 3 with a strikeout, 0 for 4 with a strikeout, and then... Rise 0 for 5 with a pair of strikeouts. So grand total of 0 for 12 in the series against the Nationals. Really a series that I thought, you know, if you're going to try to get right and get back, this is where you do it. A team that's not that great. Maybe this is where we start to see a little bit of the, the old Trevor Story. Trevor Story has had one game basically this year so far where he had three doubles. Other than that, has been a complete ghost. Like ghost. So you know, you're you're looking at just sadness as far as I'm concerned. The guy still has no home runs, no RBIs, a couple of runs scored. Yeah, great. You have a couple stolen bases too. Two of those which came in that game where you went four for four against Detroit. Also another really bad team. But this is starting to look like one of those contracts that's going to age like milk. It just looks like a disaster. And I I don't know if I can say anything nice about this. You know, I'm going to be diplomatic and just say Trevor Story needs to figure it out because good God, after the, the contract he signed and the kind of down year he had in 2022, postponing the surgery to like push that back. All of his numbers are even worse this year than they were last year. And we thought it couldn't get any worse. Guess what, guys? It can so Trevor Story, number
2: two on this list. Terry. So last series, he was six for eight with no strikeouts. And you're coming into this series and you're like, okay, so he's going to face Josiah Gray on Tuesday. And Gray has not had a great year, you know, and uh, walks have been a problem for him. And then, You know, today in the finale against Patrick Corbin, another guy who's just been absolutely rocked, especially in his two starts coming into this. I'm thinking, man, this is going to what a great what a great series for Trevor Story to, you know, continue that momentum and finally be that, you know, upper to middle of the order bat that the Red Sox want him to be. And 0 for 12, like Charlie said, it was it was pretty dismal. And, uh, has he even drawn a, yeah, he did. He drew one walk, uh, this series, none. Well, he was six for eight in the last series. I'm just going back one more one for 11. He did draw one walk. All right. You want to see him draw more than that, but, um, he, you know, he did get on base a couple other times, but still, and I've said this since last winter before the arm injury even happened in the, Whatever surgery that was, the Tommy John alternative. Um, you need to have a a really dangerous hitter hitting behind Story, because you want to force the pitcher to pitch to him. You don't want to be you don't want to be putting him on base with with Devers coming up next, or perhaps even Casas coming up next. We're so lefty heavy; he's probably going to have a lefty hitting behind him anyway, regardless. But When you're when you're protecting him with Connor Wong, you know story's not going to get much much to hit. You know they're going to be able to pitch around him and kind of eliminate the power threat that he is. So I think Alex Cora needs to be smart about where he places him, and perhaps then you'll see the numbers tick up a little bit. Perhaps even the walks, like I was just talking about, and we'll see. But, you know, it's it's still a little bit early. I mean, this is a lost year either way. You're just hoping he can contribute and keep this team kind of in the hunt. But um, if we're if we're talking next July that Trevor Story's a bust and he's hitting 228 with a barely 300 on base, I'll. I'll jump on board and say, yeah, okay. It it looks like he's not going to live up to this contract. And I'm the one who wanted it more than anyone. You know, you could, we had some people no longer with us, but wanted Carlos Correa for 300 million. How how would that have looked? But, um, but story was the value guy and, and that's who I wanted. So I hope this contract ages better, but it's, uh, it's been painful.
0: Yeah, it's not up to a good start. Um, You know, the injury this year and then so far since he's come back. Yeah, it's been, you know, one series that he was he was good. Other than that, he just kind of looks like the same old Trevor story to me. I don't understand why people thought Trevor story coming back like you're getting this MVP candidate coming back to your lineup. Did you guys not watch him last year? He was bad last year, too. Even though he only played 94 games, he got hurt, but he only hit 16 home runs. 16 homers, struck out 122 times in 94 games, and he hit 238. His first year was bad. And yeah, he got hurt. I understand that. But like his first year, he wasn't good. So I don't know why people expected Trevor Story to be the savior of this lineup. He's no different than Adam Duvall, just a high strikeout guy who every now and then can run into one, and that's it. Do you benefit defensively? Yes, you do. The defense is helping. But that's it. That's really all he's giving you so far. So I hope that, you know, I, I hope that he starts to figure it out. I also hope that the contract ages better. Again, like you said, this year, just get as much out of him as you can. Hopefully he kind of rounds back into form late, can take that into the offseason, get fully healthy, get himself prepared, come back next year and be the Trevor story that he was in Colorado. Because so far, it looks like you got just a, a Version of him that hits for less power, strike out, strikes out more, plays good defense still, steals bases, but that's it. And, you know, this series should have been a good one for him to really rake on. He faced two lefties. He's a career 304 hitter against left-handed pitching, and he just looked lost. And I'm sorry, like, Mackenzie Gore is good. Patrick Corbin is not. Patrick Corbin's a soft-throwing lefty who doesn't have much left. Story should have been able to tee off on that guy and instead he went 0 for 12. It's just like, again, not good enough from one of your higher-priced players. Story is lucky that Rafi Devers is now the most expensive player in that lineup because if not, we all eyes would be on him. And, yeah, I know he just came back. It's only been seven games, and I hear it all the time. Well, this is essentially spring training for him. Okay, so let's just let him surf on that baggage for the rest of the year. Oh, it's, it's he's still in spring training. Okay. Fine. He's still in spring training while we're dipping out of the wildcard race. Cool. Just keep giving him excuses, guys. Just give him every excuse in the book, because for some reason, Trevor Story gets to surf. Like, I, I don't understand it. You paid this guy a lot of money to come in here and be the Raffy Devers protection, to be the guy to hit behind Raffy and, you know, be a force. Hasn't shown up yet, and I'm not sure it ever will. So. We'll see. We'll see what the rest of the season brings us with him and and what next season brings cuz you're stuck with him now. But I'm not I'm not feeling very encouraged from what I see.
1: You know, it's scary if people are going to try to make the uh excuse like, "Oh, this is his spring his spring training." We've already played 120 games. There's 162 games in the year. We have 41 total games left or 40 games left. We're several games out. We can't afford to have the mentality of, oh, this, these are just, you know, spring training. It's okay. It's all right. He'll figure it out. You need to figure it out yesterday. Like before your first day, you need to figure it figured out or damn close. I mean, but it's been really confusing with Trevor story too, because it's been, yeah, he needs more time to, nope, just kidding. I'm ready to go now. And it doesn't really look like you're all that ready if you've had one shot, you know, flash in the pan game. And then everything else has been just like baby soft. It's just we need to see more. That's it. Yeah. And that'll be the next excuse that they use
0: is that, well, they rushed him from the rehab assignment. He still had one of the longest rehab assignments I've ever seen a major league player take. I mean, it was almost 20 days or something, right? It was ridiculous. So don't give me that crap either. He's a professional hitter. He's been in the league long enough. Two extra days in Worcester would not mean that he's, you know, all of a sudden hitting 400 up here. Give me a break. So he needs to sort it out.
2: Just look at the mess right now. I mean, story can't figure it out. With Duran, baseball makes him sad, apparently. We found out in the last 24 hours. Uh, I've already said, Yoshida needs a lot of time off, apparently, and that's always followed by, or or excuse me, that always follows, you know, a few games of just ice-cold mediocrity. Turner is 38, and we shouldn't be shocked that, you know, he's got a semi-serious injury, but 38 year olds are typically liabilities and it's just, it's a mess right now. Alex Verdugo (laughs) has some sort of identity crisis going on. It's just the whole offense is a mess.
0: Yep. The offense is a mess and uh, they're not the only ones. The bullpen is kind of turning into a mess as well. And that leads us to number one on the list And it's Garrett Whitlock, who has returned from injury again. um, First relief outing, he looked very good. Velocity was up. Everything was fine. Come to this series, he comes in in relief, pitches one inning, and gets absolutely tattooed by, again, a very bad Washington Nationals lineup. Gives up two bombs. The velocity was down by at least two to three miles per hour. Um, hit a batter in there as well, just looked like a complete and utter mess. And I tweeted it out at the time, and I really am starting to think that the Red Sox have ruined Garrett Whitlock, and we're looking at potentially another Daniel Bard type of situation. Um, another guy that I would compare it with not a Red Sox guy, but what the Yankees did to Joba Chamberlain. You know, again, he was a guy who came up, great reliever, threw bullets out of the pen. Yankees were like, oh, we're going to make him a starter. And everyone said, oh, that's probably a bad idea. I don't think he can hold up as a starter. Yankees were like, no, nope, we're going to do it. Ruined his career. Red Sox have dinked around with Whitlock so much. He's a starter. Now he's a reliever. No, he, we're committed to him being a starter. Gets hurt three more times. Oh, we're going to bring him back as a, as a reliever now. And we're going to pitch him on two days rest after his third injury of the season. How is that the smart thing to do? Like at this point, you have to realize that Garrett Whitlock's durability is trash. He needs at least the five days. And then you hope that he can make it as a starter. Because at this point, you kind of have to commit to that path. He can't pitch every other day, it's too much. It's too much. They tried and the velocity was down and he looked like garbage. But again, you know, and this is weird for me because I've always said all year he should be in the bullpen. I never believed he could make it as a starter. I never believed he was healthy enough to be able to do it. But now I'm sitting here going, well, if you pitch him every two days, the second or the second outing is going to be trash because the velocity is going to be down. He can't handle doing that either. So I have no idea what you do with Garrett Whitlock. I don't know if it's better to just at this point shut him down or maybe wait until you're officially out of it to shut him down, just really let him get healthy again. I have no idea. But you've already given him a contract extension. So you're stuck with him one way or the other. They have to figure out what can his body handle? What can his arm handle? Again, I still don't think it's being a starter, but maybe at this point he's so stretched out and he's so used to the five days rest that maybe that's what his body's used to. And maybe that's what you do when you just sort of throw your arms up and go, yeah, it's going to be a Chris Sale type of situation. Just throw him out there every five days and hold your breaths. Keep, you know, hope that he keeps healthy. Because I don't, the reliever schedule just, you have too many guys out there already that can't pitch back-to-back games. Jansen can't do it. Martin can't do it. You know, Schreiber is still kind of working his way back. If Whitlock now needs three-plus days in between relief outings, he's kind of no good to you. So it's just a mess all around. He he looked, that was scary the other night, the way he looked. It, It just, he did not look like the same guy. I know that he's, a freebie from the rule five that you got. So, you know, it's not like you're going to lament picking him up, but you can certainly lament the way that they've been handling him so far because it looks
1: like they may have really screwed him up. Charlie. So it's been his second appearance since coming back. He was out for over a month recovering and whatnot. And he went, you know, two innings in his last appearance and then got absolutely shelled um in game two and you know whether it be a run or five or 20 runs it doesn't matter we still weren't able to generate two runs or four runs of offense we, we couldn't do it I've been a long-standing um I think open person as far as you know if it ain't broke don't fix it I mean the Red Sox tried making Kike Hernandez a full-time player it didn't work out now Kike is doing great in LA and over 300 at least last time I checked Um, Daniel Bard is the perfect example. Jason, you already talked about it. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yankees had Joe, Java Chamberlain. I actually had to look back because he was there as a, as a reliever was only a starter briefly, but I think maybe in that, that short amount of time, I think you're right. He just, he was never really able to fully rebound to his like sub one, like microscopic ERA, granted he was still relatively new in major league baseball. People can say, oh, that was a blip that you got in the Rule 5 draft and, you know, it didn't cost you anything. Well, it did cost you something because now you gave him four years and you're paying him big money and you tried to make him a starter when you were paying him reliever money. Idiots. Stupid decision. Bad move. It was not the right decision. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Leave him in the bullpen. Let him get just one inning, two innings, whatever, because... I do think this is just an unlucky game, but to Jason's point, if this is indeed a situation where he can only pitch two innings once every three or four days, that's a problem. That's a big problem because I've been saying it too about Martin and Jensen. Those are guys that should not be used back to back. And Martin's been quite possibly our most valuable asset in the in the pen. We're paying a lot of money for him too, but man, oh man, I, Garrett Whitlock not pitching well, that opens uh, the, the floodgates for a disaster of, of opportunities to come against us. So I really hope that this was, again, just a blip like Winkowski and, and he can right the ship. Terry.
2: So we spent that whole game trying to score two runs to tie it up. And out of nowhere, Pablo Reyes, the 11th-hour hero – you know, comes through with a two-run shot to tie the game. And I think that was uh, in the seventh inning, if I'm not mistaken. And then Whitlock definitely comes out for the eighth. And I'm thinking, man, we're set up pretty good here, uh, you know, because you got Whitlock. If you want to go Martin in the ninth or Jansen, you can do that and then pitch the, the second one, you know, in extra innings if, if it gets that far. I'm like, this is... I'm like the the Red Sox might sweep this series, you know, with, with it tied right now because you got Sale and Corbin tomorrow, and who's not, you know, who's who's picking Corbin to win that one, you know? So suddenly it was looking pretty good, and then Whitlock comes in, gives up a single to Lane Thomas, one of their you know up and coming prospects, you know, key contributor the last couple of months, hits for power. And um, I didn't, it, right away, Merloni's like, wow, 92 miles an hour on that fastball, that's it? And I'm a big body language guy, like I said, and I, it just, it just comes off of Whitlock. He's got, when things aren't going well, he's got the worst body language of anybody on the Red Sox roster. And he's very tense, he's very stiff, he's like breathing through his mouth, he just doesn't look comfortable out there. And then what does he do? He hits Joey Manessis with a pitch, hit by pitch. He got runners on first and second. There's no outs yet. And Jason, if you know, if Garrett Whitlock got tattooed, the tattoo is Keybert Ruiz's face because he took him deep for three runs. And it happened so fast. It happened so fast. It was, you know, those. I don't know what it was. It, it was within 10 minutes of of Reyes's home run, just these mo- these emotional swings, you know? You're Reyes has lifted you up and and now just Whitlock just completely deflates you. And next at bat, uh Stone Garrett, that was his second home run of the night, so Still no outs yet, um, So four runs got put up. It was six to two, and uh, Whitlock just completely took you out of it. I'm willing to forgive the Red Sox for everything they've done with, with Whitlock up till this point. If the word "starter" comes out of Alex Cora's mouth again or Hein Bloom's mouth again, they should be instantly fired. This guy is not a starting pitcher. It's like that scene from Moneyball where they're sitting in, uh, what's his name, the catcher there in the movie. They had to convert him to a first baseman. Scott Hatterberg.
1: Hatterberg.
2: When they're in Scott Hatterberg's house and, you know, he finally admits that he can't throw a baseball, you know, and Brad Pitt goes, Scott, you're not a catcher anymore. Well, if, if Whitlock is sitting on the couch, Brad Pitt would tell him, Garrett, you're not a starter anymore. You're going to the bullpen. So, you know, it, it is what it is. He's got elbow problems. He's got health problems. I don't know if that's genetic. He's just not a healthy guy. And I think he's best utilized as a one-inning guy, not not a bulk-inning guy, as a one-inning guy. And just take it. If he can be effective in that role. He had a 1.96 ERA with 60 or 70 innings in 2021. That's good. That's good. Let him be not quite the next coming of Jonathan Papelbon, but close. You know, the failed starter turned dominant reliever. I wish he was a psychopath like Papelbon, but he's not. But that—that's who he is, and don't mess with it. Don't mess with it. This season, we—we got a slim shot at making the playoffs, but it's not gonna. We're not going deep if we get in there. So it's not worth messing up anybody's careers here to to get tossed early or to not even make it at all. So stop messing with it and. We'll see in the coming days. Is he injured? I I mean, I'm concerned. His velocity was way down, and he only had one rehab start back, or, or rehab appearance, I should say. So, other than maybe side sessions, they haven't really seen a lot from him, so... I just kind of think that bears watching. I mean, his next appearance presumably will be at some point against the Yankees, barring an IL stint before it happens. Uh, You know, we'll see what the command looks like, the velocity. That's not a scary lineup as long as Judge isn't, you know, one of the next three guys due up. So we'll see. Sale won't pitch. He's going to pitch against the Astros, which... um, probably the worst team he's ever faced. So, but he bears watching as well. Not, not a good, not a good series for Red Sox pitching. And we didn't talk about Pavetta, but he was terrible. Only four and a third, walked three, four earned runs. You know, he's back, you know, Nick Pavetta, the failed starter is back. And, he probably needs to go back into that bulk role with an opener in front of him if if you want to maximize everything you can with him.
0: Yeah, a definite step back for both Red Sox pitching and particularly the offense. The offense uh, struggling was was glaring even though they put up bulk runs in in the last game, but it all kind of happened, you know, in one swing to be honest. But yeah, the pitching still took a step back as well um Whitlock Winkowski uh Chris Murphy who we didn't mention but he had a bad outing as well he's been one of your better young arms to come out of that pen and took a step back as well so definitely um not the right time for that to be happening but uh that's where they are and we'll see how it goes going forward but that that window on the window for the Red Sox shot at a postseason berth is rapidly closing and uh might be fully closed by the time we we meet up again next week, so we'll see. Uh, with that, we're gonna wrap up here. Uh, keep an eye out for our Bastards series prediction show. We'll be predicting the Yankees series this weekend. That'll be available for your PM commute. And then we'll have our Bastards Roundtable episode coming out on Friday. Uh, we'll be talking some some Rays. Not 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 all things going great in uh, in Tampa. So bad as things are here it's looking a little worse in tampa these days uh so that'll be coming out and then of course the weekend crew will have you guys on monday to recap the yankees series so until then everyone take care